So <laughs> that's so funny. I was just going to say like, you know, this is a casual conversations that I tell all of our you know guests. And so if you want to be a smart aleck with me, I can ride with you on that stuff. What I promise you though, is I'll try to be as respectful as possible. So you don't feel the compulsion to reach across and slap me on the face. You can talk. We're talking on this. Yay. Of course. Very cool. Thank you. Okay. Cool deal. So, uh, SJ, are you ready for the mic is listening, my friend? I am ready. You know, you can't say the other part, huh? Because I think that guy trademarked it. Yes. And if he did, um, I do not want to be in his crosshairs. No kidding, right? I know, right? (laughs) I know. Okay. All right. Let's do this. The mic is listening. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to The Mic is Listening. I am Sia, and we're here for a wonderful conversation. If you notice thematically here, it's always been about music because I'm a huge music file. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I'd be a little edgy with the title of today's show, which is We Don't Need No Education. Uh, obviously, we know Pink Floyd, which is irony because I don't really like them as much, but... It actually suits a conversation and topic for today. So, um, yes, that is my behind the scenes here is um, my wall. It's not complete yet because I actually have to put things back up. But by all means, I feel like the music makes the world go around and it powers through that human connection and that ability for everyone to kind of, you know, connect with one another a little bit better. But, you know, it also helps connect people education. And when I say education, it is about learning and reading concepts in a way that you can apply it to real life. So without further ado, I'm super excited to introduce our wonderful guest for today, Mr. S.J. Barraconi, the Education Sherpa. Welcome, S.J. Hey, it's a pleasure to be invited, to be introduced, and to serve your audience. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the audience is probably just listening, going, what the hell is this about, Sia? You know, one day you had, you know, the money, redneck money manager. The other day you had a body language guy. The other day you had um, oh, a sound engineer who actually gave us a little scoop on what it takes to do a podcast and all that good stuff. But you know what? To me, I really do believe that, you know, there is something to be said about the Pink Floyd song here, Okay. We don't need no education. I mean, right there unto itself should tell you, yeah, we do. But let me ask you this question because I don't have kids. So I'm probably going to ask you some questions and I'm probably going to piss off people. But hey, it ain't my first rodeo, nor the first time I piss people off. There are movements, especially now, saying that, hey, you don't need education beyond high school. You can go into vocational and uh, or the value of college degrees is no longer where it is. So if I were to set the tone like that is that a unfair place to start to help me understand where things are or is it a reality shot like okay let's go for it let's duke it out or slap it out it is very much real it is very timely 
and it needs to be discussed in what would be called the public square. Okay. Mm. Because the public square, when it's done the way that de Tocqueville talked about um, in Democracy in America, is meant to be an open forum where people can share ideas that are divergent. I don't have to agree with you to like you, but you should be able to show me respect and show me um, an openness to at least listening to me, even if we come on two different sides of the coin. So this whole topic needs to be in a public square. I love it. And I love the fact that you're open and you're helping me on this because I do feel to some degree the ability to have constructive uh, you know, discussion is starting to wane significantly um, with each generation. Okay. I'm not trying to say get off my lawn, but in a way I kind of am. I've had discussions with my nieces and nephews at times and th- their lack of ability to articulate themselves in a conversation without me prompting and begging and pleading to some capacity. It comes out eventually. I'm not saying that they're mute, but I do feel like the discourse that I think you and I used to grow up in um, is somewhat fading. Now, I do see them communicating in different methods that is just as articulate, but in their own way, meaning the social media platforms available to them. They are avail- They are able to articulate themselves, like TikTok, for example. There's no way I could I could do that. Like I tried and they looked at me and they're like, what, what are you trying to say? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just dancing. And they're like, that's not the purpose. So, I mean, I'm kind of going all over the place right now, but it is kind of funny to me. So let's talk about discourse, SJ. Let's talk about discourse. So you got a lot of parents coming to you, right? They're trying to figure out what they want to do with their children or themselves, I'm assuming. What is it that you actually do from the jump when, like, let's say I come in, I say, look, I've got a yeah. 12-year-old, and I'm not sure what to do with this person? No, that's a great question. Um, I'll back up and quickly frame this. Um, I believe that there are four types of ways you can engage people, keeping it simple without overcomplicating it. You can argue with people. You can debate with people. Neither of those I'm interested in personally. Um, Oftentimes they lead to confrontation and they lead to bad feelings and they're not a Mm win-win. Where I like to settle is I like to settle in discussion and discourse. Rational discourse is a fundamental underpinning that goes all the way back to antiquity. And we need to rediscover that and dig it back up from the ground in many cases, and or we at least need to discuss with people. So now, let's use this example. So that would be called the B to C side, business to consumer, family individual side of what I believe I was called to do in this world, which is be an education Sherpa. And there are an awful lot of households, Sia, that are just looking for some guidance They may not even know they need it, but they're looking for encouragement. They're looking for edification. They're looking to be empowered. And they're looking for some positive energy in a world where negative energy seems to be predominant. Yes. So this 12-year-old, let's call her Samantha. (laughs) That's funny. That's my sister's... uh... Uh, nickname. <laughs> okay. Or for those who are listening on the flip side, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll say Sam, um, <laughs> Sam or Samantha, 
is a 12-year-old in the modern day. And according to demographers, that would make him or her um, a Gen Z Zoomer, because I think you have to be seven or eight to be in Gen Alpha, which is the yeah. next generation. Okay. So we have a situation here where this uh, young person is sort of in a hinge pivot point where they're not quite ready to think about where they're going with their life in terms of stages, but they also are in a position where they're doing an awful lot of growing up in a short amount of time. Okay. I can remember being that age. So there are some fundamental gaps that exist in the conventional classrooms of America. And we can, we, 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 we would have to talk for hours to hit everything. So I'm only going to hit this at the surface, but one of the gaps is we need to be encouraging our young people to understand that soft skills, people skills, life skills are imperative. And it's not an age thing when you learn these, because if you drip them into your life, it's better than getting fed with a fire hose when you're 19 years old or 32 years old. Okay. So that is the first thing for a 12 year old that I would mention to the family. Oof. Next. I'm excited. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you. The next thing is we need to encourage them to be following what is interesting to them. What is what gets them really fired up? What gets them energetic? What gets them engaged in their life rather than the boring, oh, it's okay, or that whatever the phrase whatever the zoomer phrases are. Back in my day, it'd be like that was awesome or rad or something like that, right? <laughs> because I'm an Xer, but um, we want to capture that in a bottle for them because conventional schooling is an old concept. No one who is listening to this was alive when we went through a massive pivot in America and other Western nations in the 1890s. We left behind a highly localized very flexible, customizable model that was really good for the smaller towns, the mid-sized metros, and the rural areas. And we turned into a highly urbanized factory conveyor belt system where it's like, okay, you move down to the first grade and you get this stamp on you. Then you move to the third grade, you move to the seventh grade, on and on and on. That model no longer works for well over 90% of kids, yet it still is the predominant method for about 70 plus percent. There's a serious issue there. So that's the second thing is waking people up in the family to the fact that it's not your fault that you have a system that's so outdated. You just have to fill in the gaps where they exist. One of them is embracing the passions and the interests. Number two is the soft skills. And number three, is focusing on things that are not taught in the classroom at all. And here's a couple examples. One would be teaching them about money and finances and economics. Another would be teaching them about the value of business principles, whether they ever want to be an entrepreneurship or not, let them decide, but they should be aware of it. Okay. And number three, they should understand that learning does not, I repeat, does not have to take place in a classroom. Okay, there's been a discussion over the last several years about learning loss. It's a big, huge discussion out there in the world. The vast majority of that is overblown because it assumes 
that you have to be in a classroom with some certified person in front of the room in order to be learning, which is absolutely not the case. So in other words, it's not learning loss. It's about where the learning takes place and in what context. Oh. So those are a few things that I would cover with Sam or Samantha. Oh my gosh. Can I just tell you, like literally this morning, I had this conversation with my boyfriend, nothing to do with in preparation of you. We were just talking in general and you just nailed everything that I said. You know, it's really interesting that I feel lacking is I wish I had, you know, a way to sit down and look at like, this is how you look at finance, right? And this is not, you know, what does balancing a checkbook mean? Like, what does it really mean for you? And then what are the opportunities if you were to look at money in a different way? Not simply counting money. I think that's what public school, at least, you know, I'm a Gen Xer as well. Is, oh, here's a quarter, here's a penny, and here's a, a dime and add it up times two. What's that mean? It's like, no, that's not, that's not how you should look at finance and, and money in general, right? It's almost having a very different relationship with money. And the other thing that you were killing me with was the fact that uh, he actually said it would be nice to have home ec classes. Now he went to a private all-male Catholic school. So I, I kind of said to him, I go, well, I bet you they probably assume men didn't need home ec, you know, and but we're talking about just even home ownership. You know, the other day my toilet was running. No, I didn't even bother trying to catch up with it. I just let it go. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not a funny joke. And I'm like, it, it was funny. But uh, no, but just turning that wheel. Right. Just like turn the water off, figure out what's going on and then turn it back on and you should be able to tool around with it. But you're right. And the last thing I posted this on LinkedIn uh, for uh, on Monday, which was curiosity. How important is curiosity to entrepreneurs and business equally applies to education? Do you agree with me on that? Curiosity is a huge thing. Okay. If my mother, who for a good chunk of my upbringing, Sia, was here in a third square, she would be glad to tell you how curious I was growing up, okay? And I did almost all of my growing up before the internet, so I feel really old saying that, but it's the truth, okay? So I still remember when she bought that Encyclopedia Britannica set from the traveling salesman, okay? And I devoured that. I also had, and feel free, kids and Adults alike to look this up. I think it's on eBay. Um, look up the Charlie Brown Cyclopedia set, which was like 16 versions, and every one had a picture of a Peanuts cartoon character on it. I learned so much because I was curious, and I reread and read and reread those Charlie Brown Cyclopedias. I read through the Britannicas because curiosity is very important, and regrettably. And this is for all the parents, the grandparents, the business people listening, maybe church leaders, whoever else is listening to this or watching. Our conventional system, the default modality that again came into vogue heavily in 1890s. And remember, let me repeat that, 1890s. Okay. We're talking back in the era when the horse and buggy was still predominant before the flip happened. It was around roughly a 10-year period, CEO, when we went from horse and buggies predominating to motor carriages is what they call them, right? That is when this system, the predominant system in 2022, was rolled out. So I ask you, why 
are we relying on this system still predominantly to educate people in the Tesla era? Mm. Okay, it makes no sense. We have to stop defending a system that's time has come and gone. It's not like we're attacking teachers. We're not saying it. We're not saying public versus private and everyone has to be. No, 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 no. We're just saying that the modality, the underpinnings are rusted away. And curiosity is something that simply has not been encouraged since the 1890s in the conventional classrooms. So absolutely, it is super duper important. You know, let me ask you this, because you're right. At the turn of that century, um, and I'm thinking Little House on the Prairie, right? They probably did go on, quote, field trips. They just went outside their door and they said, okay, we're going to do a scientific whatever experiment, probably to prepare them for their agrarian society, right? Like, hey, we need you to be farmers. Let's learn about plants, right? I think there was some practicality to it. And and you're right. As we industrialized, right, the Industrial Revolution really prompted and accelerated this, the move to the denser population city, it was meant to scale. But it was also originally, I ventured, I guess, to train up the next factory worker. And so if you're saying that was great in their time, now is not that. Now it's a totally vastly different, uh, oh, what's that word they want to say? It's a paradigm. Oh my God, you are a paradigm. I'm not going to do that word. I'm sorry. I know. I know. Well, hey, we're, we're, we're product of Dilbert, right? So um, this paradigm shift, SJ, it's like amazing. It's kidding now. Um, totally. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I could do all the Valley Girl talk if you want me to. I see it in your face. <laughs> so, totally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so 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 okay I, enough of that so what do you suggest and what are you what are you envisioning what would be a good maybe transition step for the education sh- system is it going to have to start from above or can it be a grassroots level that the teachers fight back i mean what's what can we do um first thing is we have to have awareness that the existing system the predominant one is no longer for this era so we just have to come to grips with that, first of all, just awareness. And again, pl- you know, people who are listening to this that might be in the system, this is not attacking you. This is just telling you that the reason why your system is not working for the vast majority of people, it's not pointing the finger at an individual teacher or principal or guidance counselor or whatever. It's just you have entered a system whose time has come and gone in terms of what it was set out to accomplish. First step. Second step. We need to raise up from the grassroots as many alternative modalities, models as possible. And allow the marketplace, allow free association, allow people with tons of information at their fingertips. This is not even a Gen Xer thing anymore where we grew up with microfiche machines and such. Okay. You can literally find stuff at the drop of a couple finger clicks or swipes. So we just need to raise up all the all the alternative modalities and allow people to make a choice that fits for their household, for their um, income bracket, for their social interests, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the second thing. Third is we need to empower, encourage, and edify, as I used those terms earlier, those three E's, and then toss in the positive energy for the fourth E. So in other words, if someone chooses another modality, 
And I'll give you a couple examples of some modalities. There's tons of them, but one of them- I was just going to ask you, can you exactly, because I'm trying to figure out what you mean by that. Yeah. Right. Here's a couple examples. And I promise you for your audience and for yourself, Sia, there's plenty of others. We don't have the time to get deep in the weeds, but plenty. I'd be glad to talk with anyone offline. But first is you can take what started as a pandemic pod, which is now considered a learning pod, and you can form your own. You can hire a teacher or someone who's not, who's upset with the system because the system is kicking off teachers left and right that are tired of it. Mm-hmm. So you can hire one of them that solves the issue of, oh my goodness, I don't think I can teach my kids math and science and everything. You can hire a couple teachers and um, hire them for your pod. Okay. Another modality is a micro school, which is slightly bigger in scale. Um, One of the best models of micro schools, and I promise you there's plenty more, so I'm not missing any of them. I'm just picking one, is the Acton Academy. So you can look up your local Acton Academy or you can start your own. Okay. Another example would be a homeschooling cooperative, a co-op. So you can start your own or you can join an existing co-op. And then, of course, there's also individualized home education, which you can do in your own house. So those are four modalities, among others, that you can pursue as a part of this process. And then, and then when people make these choices, we, we cannot box them in based upon old assumptions or things like that where we don't have all the answers. So in other words, just because you're home educating, one of the worst things that still is still happening in our lack of discourse in some cases, our lack of discussion, rather assumption, is that home-educated kids are not socialized. That is so obsolete. That is not true, okay? In the the 1960s or 70s, perhaps it was, but not anymore, okay? So that's the next phase. Phase three is we need to embrace people's decision and encourage them if they choose another modality from option two. And then number four is we have to start to transition the system, the superstructure itself. And one of the things that's happening right now, and I'm not sitting here saying it's a perfect movement, but it's grassroots. It's called fund students, not systems. Okay. Fund students, not systems. And what that is happening is state by state, certain people in elected office are saying, okay, Rather than all of the funding follow an existing system, and again, remember, the system is the 1890s vintage, let the dollars follow the student, okay? And then if they want to stick in the existing system, more power to them. If they want to go into a Catholic or a Christian school, more power to them. If they want to start their pod, they want to do a micro school, they want to go pure home ed, fantastic. So that would be the fourth thing would be to start to overhaul and do a transition of the overall superstructure. So I know there was a lot said there, but hopefully it got a guiding pathway for everyone. Yeah. You know, let me ask you this then, because I just realized that's like a very common phrase I use in all my shows, but I think it's because I'm really thinking about this. What about Everything you're offering, I think, is absolutely wonderful if it's accessible to you. There's a lot of the population that just simply, unfortunately, or for whatever your perspective is, they just don't have the socioeconomic background, parent support, community support to be able to own to, to look at alternatives. Like right now, it's like, look, we just want the kid to be in school to get them off the streets. 
equivalent. Okay. How could we address that? Because I feel like if you're giving that level of freedom, could it possibly just let these kids free roam without the supervision needed? Because their parents are working and it's not because the parents want them to be bad or anything like that, but just because of the, you know, just situation they live in. Well, that is a very, very key point. And we do not, by the way, want, at least in my view, I cannot speak for other people who are doing Sherpa-related work or what I refer to as transformation, renewal, revival. These are the terms. Stay away, folks, in my view, from using the word reform, because reform says that you take the existing system and attempt to fix it. I believe the existing system cannot be fixed because it's way out of date. Gotcha. Okay, That's so I, That's a really good point to make. So I don't. So in other words, when you hear an elected official use the word reform, chances are you should be asking him or her or them. Please elaborate, because usually it ends up being a talking point, and they really don't understand the issue, but they're attempting to get your vote regardless. So mm-hmm. I would challenge them with lots of questions, and if they don't feel like answering them, you probably shouldn't vote for them. To be totally frank, <laughs> but back to the back to the question. We do not want this to be a classify or not classified. That doesn't sound right. We don't want this to be a class based approach. Just because you happen to have wealth in this country is a great thing, but we also have to make sure that every class of Americans, whether we call them working poor, lower middle class, middle class, upper middle, whatever way you want to slice it. Everyone should have access to be able to go through these steps that I laid out a few moments ago. And it might require what's called a mutual aid society, which is an old model that I think is coming back in some ways to enable it. It might require a um, a social impact organization. It might require some sort of charitable organization. It might require some wealthy individual like um i'll just toss out a name that probably everyone knows about like an elon musk type um whatever it needs i as the education sherpa cannot and do not support this being a class-based thing because the world needs all of our collective knowledge our collective spirit our soul our heart, what really gets us motivated. And it shouldn't be like, well, I have to work and therefore my kid has to go, my grandkid has to go to the only school around the corner. We need to enable this for everyone who wants to pursue other options. And if they want to stay in the existing, let the funding follow the student and let's fix that to the best of our ability. But just understand that you cannot reform the whole thing for everyone. The system is too corroded and cannot be done on a mass scale anymore. So there you go. So let me ask you this then. Pandemic. Do you think it's accelerated what you're articulating towards this path of like, hey, guys, let's kind of take a step back and revisit what education is actually accomplishing in this mass consumption model, if you will? It did. It did. Um, A lot of these movements existed before March of 2020. However, within that first year, especially, 
but then also as certain variants popped up and such, it just acted as lighter fluid. So, yeah. and here's the thing, because we were responding to something that the only precedent that I can speak of, and I'm an amateur historian, the only precedent I can speak of for what we just went through the last couple of years, see, at least in my view, is the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 through 1920. Okay. So with that said, we had roughly a whole century in between something that that was just this disruptive. Okay. Putting aside that we did obviously have a major world war and a cold war and such in the middle, but I'm just yeah. saying on a public health side of things. So absolutely a lot of these trends either were accelerated by stepping your foot from using a horse and buggy um motor carriage type to a tesla if you've ever put your foot in a tesla that thing goes oh, yeah. okay or they were born out of it okay like example the pandemic pod mm. okay there were micro schools before March of 20, but the pod concept literally developed because you had a lot of people locked in their houses, essentially. It's like, how am I, how are we going to educate our kids? Well, we're in a cul-de-sac. Let's, let's all tag team up. Let's make our bubble, the pandemic bubble, right? Where you said, okay, guys, we're going to, we're exposing each other, but it's just us kind of thing. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Exactly. So in, in essence, then to put a little bow around your question, a lot, some of it was there, but a lot of it was born out of necessity and the entrepreneurial spirit, the innovative spirit of people was dug up, if you will. It was spotlighted. And it's a very exciting time for those who are edupreneurs like I am, educational entrepreneurs, because the existing system, a lot of people are so comfortable with it. But so is the fish swimming around in the dirty water until you give him or her clean water. Yep, exactly. It's 100%. And I know we can keep talking about this, but and I knew we'd go long on this, SJ. So for those that want to get a hold of you and, of course, um, you know, maybe share their thoughts and opinions on this, you know, how, how could they get a hold of you? What's your recommendation? Absolutely. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share it as we wrap up. Um, LinkedIn is where I put the vast majority of my time. So please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I have a company, business, whatever you want to call it, page out there as well as my profile. That's an absolutely easy, cheesy way. (laughs) I also have an email address. I have a phone number. Um, I dabble a little bit on Instagram. I have a few bios out there. So there's a few other options as well, but the Easiest way would be right to LinkedIn, and then we can take it from there if you're not a big LinkedIn person. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And I'm quite frankly, people should be on LinkedIn because it's not just a job searching, you know, platform anymore. This is very much a business focused social media platform. And I cannot tell you how many recent college grads I've been talking to that are looking, I've been, I've been volunteering my time to help people to get into cybersecurity and stuff. And I cannot tell you how much they're like, oh, I'm not on LinkedIn. I'm like, let's try that. Baseline number one, get on LinkedIn, create a, de- create a decent profile the same way you create your Insta profile, the same way you did, you know, your TikTok profile. Get that up and running first and then we'll talk some more. Um, so SJ, it's been such an absolute pleasure. Pressure. Let's try this again. Oh my gosh. Is it Friday yet? It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And uh, man, you got to come back. I would love to hear an update and, you know, I got to tell you. 
You didn't slap me once this conversation. Bam. Um, I know. Tie it back. Tie it back. Right, right. Well, no, thank you so much for the for the edification, the encouragement. <laughs> There's those two, two of those four, the positive energy. Um, I really appreciate that because here's the thing. I believe that I exist to serve, to solve, and to share. Love it. So that will come in many forms, one of which obviously a huge part of me is being the Sherpa. So with that said, thank you so much again for the opportunity. And I trust that everyone will enjoy watching and listening. Woohoo. Gosh, I can't top that. So on that note, my final thoughts on this, guys, is... Thank you for listening to The Mic is Listening. And uh, please kindly check out the podcast that I'm sharing afterwards, The CISO Diaries, which is mine because damn straight, I'm going to promote my own stuff. But also The SRG Way, another one of our clients over Innovation Media Enterprises. That's my company. Um, and she is was voted one of the top uh, personal trainers in Westchester County. Proud of her because that woman is in her early 20s, entrepreneur, just opened up her studio, even throughout the pandemic, was able to pick up clients to do remote training. I mean, talk about, you know, the SRG way, which is resilience, strength, and growth. So guys, I think that wraps it up for another episode of The Mic is Listening. See ya!